0: Back to Centered Subject, we are, amazingly enough, recording for the first time in real time in the same place. Uh, We're in New York, and I'm Elena, joined by my beloved co-host, Jenny. Hi. And today we also have a special guest, Brian Irvin. Mm Mm-hmm. More or less. Brian. Hello. (laughs) Only more special. So we're in New York, and we're... The UN Climate Action Summit uh, will be taking place in a week. So, um, the subject of today's centered subject has been inspired by exactly that ideas about climate action and ecology, ecological thought, the Green New Deal. So, I'm just going to do a quick introduction for Brian, the guest, who nodded. <laughs> um, they yeah. don't
1: see nods, do they? they? Don't. That's mm-hmm. why I
0: describe, so that they yeah. may imagine mm-hmm. you nod. Um, gracefully, he nodded. As Brian, the philosopher, um, his area of research is phenomenology with a special emphasis on philosophy of place. Brian received his PhD from Stony Brook University. And currently, he teaches at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, which I keep wanting to say liminal justice, but it's criminal justice. It
1: can be both.
0: But it's both. And sure. it kind of is. Yeah. yeah. It's all about liminality. CUNY, mm-hmm. which I always struggle to pronounce. I always want to say CUNY. You should. No it's one needs to know that. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And um, cool. it's very exciting. Brian is currently working on his manuscript, which has a working title of The Environmental Uncanny a phenomenology of the loss of the world welcome Brian
1: my pleasure to be here
0: the reason we welcome you is we heard you've been following the development that's around the Green New Deal mm-hmm. and you had some opinions about
1: mm-hmm. that oh did
0: I subject, and we thought it would be interesting to hear from you on this subject
1: yeah well the thing is I went down to a conference in Philadelphia. Called Designing the Green New Deal. Mm. It was real good. Great conference. Lots of good speakers. Naomi Klein oh. was there. Mm-hmm. She's a sweetie pie, it turns <laughs> out. She has a very, like, stern, authorial voice, you mm. know, mm-hmm. but in person, just cozy as could be. Mm. Yeah. And lots of other good speakers were there. One of the leaders of the Sunrise Movement, mm. among others. He's, um he's like 20. <clears throat> yeah she's yeah. very young mm-hmm.
0: so was, was it organized by um, kind of independent body of scholars mm-hmm. uh, was it organized by Alexandro Casio Cortez you know yeah.
1: that's a good question I felt yeah, like the really general impression was it just sort of cohered
2: mm-hmm. right.
1: just sort of of its own volition yeah. It just came together. Okay, yeah. So
2: Most people. of the speakers were activists or were... It was, a,
1: it was a lot of scholars. There were some activists. There were authors and journalists. It was yeah. a good, interesting People mix. concerned mm. with yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was like 1,400 yeah. people there.
0: Oh, wow. So it was um, basically a bunch of talks were sort of happening concurrently. And
1: yeah, you know, panel discussions, yeah. mm-hmm. conference type. Yeah. discourse.
0: Did you um, give a presentation? Oh no! You attended?
1: No, I was just along for the ride. Yeah.
0: What well, What are your takeaways? Like, what was the? Um...
1: Oh, I have some. Tell us. I have four tell, of them.
0: Tell number one,
1: please. Four takeaways. Okay. Uh, the first one is what is really striking about that crowd of people. And by that crowd, I mean the people who are generally involved in pushing this movement forward. Yeah. Is just a very lucid understanding of political power. Mm. There's a theory of power that's operative for these people. They understand what it takes to build it. They understand the challenges involved. And like above all, they understand you have to accumulate it and use it. Yeah. Which you would think would be an obvious kind of idea. Sure. But if you look at You know, like, the kind of, like, the gerontocracy of our politics in the current world. I mean, you know, there's the Republicans, and that's all hopeless and whatnot. But then you look at even the Democrats, and there's, like, the most baffling sort of reticence... To even hold power, it's like yeah, they mm-hmm. don't want it, and they don't want to wield it, and they're very uncomfortable wielding it.
0: Decision making, sort of big, big life changing decisions. People are somehow mm-hmm. uncomfortable mm-hmm. with being the agents of that. I think. Well, even doing like doing something unconventional and new,
1: in a literal sense, like political actions, like impeachment or yeah. putting a bill forward. Yeah,, uh, advancing the Green New Deal, for instance, just that sort of thing. There's just a real reticence. Mm-hmm. So there's a real understanding and it's there's nothing naive about it. There's nothing kind of gooey about it. There's nothing that's like purple haired, read undergraduate-y about Mm it so what are the
0: specific maybe examples of that wielding the political power of obtaining it Mm
1: -hmm. well just an understanding of what it's going to take like a very common theme was the need to work with labor and like not a single person questions the premise they need buy-in from labor and, and that's, by labor, uh,
2: we don't mean the UK Labor Party, but we mean...
1: No, the, 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 the working class the workers. Yeah. And
2: the labor, Which, and labor unions, you mean.
1: Yeah, definitely yeah. unions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So unionization itself is like it's a important. key component of the movement. And it's been Union under threat
0: for a long time.
1: For about 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I think the question of labor is an interesting one as well, because, you know, it spans so many different industries, people... Mm-hmm there's such a lot kind of growing precariat class. Yes. You know, which is not... Um, That's a good attached in ...attached to one place, you know, of work. They don't meet each other necessarily, you know, like that kind of solidarity that yeah. um, unions often right, are formed in, I think is absent in, in this context. So.
1: Yeah, that was a theme that was addressed. You know, when the original New Deal was launched... You know, you had very high unemployment. You had a massive population of people just cut out of the labor force entirely, unable to make a living, unable to get enough necessities right. that they needed to live. And now we're in this weird situation that so much of the workplace workforce is employed marginally mm-hmm. and weirdly enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Uberishly, mm-hmm. sporadically
0: inconsistently, yeah. and consistently. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So
1: it's that's an incredibly hard group of people to mobilize because and a
0: large segment of the population i think right now Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so that's a major problem how do you mobilize that group Mm -hmm. how do you gain uh the like the massive potential power that's there with that group of people as part of a political movement so that's the second point that's my second takeaway
2: that's a good one strikes okay
1: strikes are big yeah. There was a speaker there named Raj Patel, and he talked about how, in the lead up to the original New Deal, there was just an incredible amount of labor action, strikes. People mm-hmm. were striking in huge numbers, we're numbers really we haven't forget. come close to.
0: In the States, I rarely encounter a situation where people are striking mm-hmm. somehow. And it just hasn't been happening historically for I don't think decades. I've ever experienced it. Okay, I've experienced yeah. it like in any other country, but right. never in the States. And I've lived here for 20 right. years.
2: I mean, it's it's been carefully discouraged in our populace, but also I think... I mean, I would love to do more study on this, but I think that in the, with the creation of the New Deal and a lot of the social welfare networks that were set up because of the strikes, it was like this, and, and stuff that happened after the uh, Second World War, there was something that was everyone got really complacent because they were given social progress they were given enough they were kind of given what they were asking for then and then there was a malaise I think because of capitalism and then in the it 50s was
0: chipped away mm-hmm. those little things were like taken very gradually away I think, right here, well it was uh, almost uh, imperceptibly
1: yeah I mean there was an agenda to do that uh, ever since the New Deal was implemented there was a active effort to undo it mm-hmm. and yeah. that started to bear fruit. Uh, well especially it, it, with it, rain, felt, it
0: yeah. felt so socialist and it had all the sure. and they were I mean they, they were <laughs> taking just, power right, from the capitalists right you know, mm-hmm. okay. and, and I guess in the Cold War era
1: well yeah the Cold War was kind of good you know it was awesome it was good in the sense that there was a sort of check on it's capitalism's true. excess. Exactly, so yeah. you didn't want to, like, you can't... The, check,
0: the true check of the balance yeah. resided within the Cold War. Yeah,
1: I mean, you
2: check want West to eat the poor, but you know exactly. if you do,
1: they might become communists. So you can't be... Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we had to wait for the Berlin Wall to fall to really hey, I, get I, out the forks and knives.
0: I think that the existence of Soviet Union was like immensely helpful for social progress in Europe I think it really scared the ruling classes you know that mm. things can really be upended and so they, they kind of started in Europe especially because it was so close you know and they could just mm. see like how that's very and just interesting like giving away little bits like okay here's some free healthcare here's, mm-hmm. here's this here's that mm-hmm Oh, but sorry, but we veered away from the subject Strikes
1: Strikes, Strikes. Gotta have them Gotta We have had them. the big climate strike today, that's good
0: I went Yeah, yeah right? Yeah
1: There's, a, there's actually a uh, March,
0: it was March But I was confused about it Like what was, you know, what was the strike part because From Because we marching So, oh, I so see So students yeah. but I thought yeah. it was primarily a student lots strike, There's lots of right? kids there, yeah My yeah. friend brought her six-month-year-old child right. Who was dressed in all black because he was in mourning
2: Cool well yeah i think that's so wonderful that they're saying something to adults saying this is going to affect us so there's no point in getting to be good Mm -hmm. at anything there's no point in developing you know Mm -hmm. acumen or or studying facts in any way if you don't value facts and that's going to end the world what's the point of us doing any studying at all pretty wonderful and that's not something any adult could say exactly yeah it's it's amazing it's like they're and it's very self-centered of them which i think is kind of the best way to do it you know because they are they are the future but it's like we're talking about the future is what's on the line and they're saying well there is no future so why should i do anything so that's really good thank you for explaining it to me i can't believe i actually went in
0: march and i didn't know yeah, was, that's all um, Greta. That's well, all the, the Greta. Well, oh, right, we were yeah. marching to hear Greta speak, which I didn't. Um, I couldn't stay for yeah. that. But yeah, I just thought true climate strike would be to like withhold all. Carbon dioxide. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
1: <laughs> to a, yourself. That's a high hold, bar. Hold
0: out breath for two minutes, everyone. Yeah.
1: I mean, cool. in a sense, that would solve the problem. But yeah. um, if we took turns, I don't we? know if I'd want to. Yeah.
2: Okay. Kids like switch. to do that too, but they just also like to try yeah. to make themselves pass out. Sometimes. Right, right, yeah, I, I do know. too. actually. you remembered that, but they don't do that really for political means. They yeah. just kind of like to pass out in fifth period exactly and it's fun it was a problem <laughs> anyway well,
0: it's, it's like drugs
2: it's, it's like a fifth graders drug no, <laughs> yeah. it is
0: a little, bit, is a little but, bit yeah and so so strikes yes so we must do strikes
1: yeah so I mean you could again you could think about the original new deal that uh, passed in the wake of strikes where there was a real existential threat to mm-hmm. the masses Exactly. and that today is not the case with climate change for old people but it really is for young people yeah. and so the fact that you have this mobilization beginning with young people makes perfect mm-hmm. sense
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: from that perspective and it's it a reason us, yeah. it's a reason to be to kind of envision how you really could get some revolutionary change through the system. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take a while because you know it's going to require some generational yeah. replacement. Mm-hmm. It's true. I, I think. but
0: Yeah. There were so many kids today at the march and so many of the really young ones. And I feel
2: like it will be really memorable for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there was a, um, a children's, I want to say parade. It was not a children's parade. It was like a march in medieval... Uh, like battle that was led by children women oh, and wow. children because they had it was like a peasant revolt but it was I forget what it was called I'll tell you I'll research it for next time but yeah I was led by children famously mm. and it was violent yeah did children's rebellion I, it's that sounds kind of right but it that wasn't about cool. it wasn't about their it wasn't necessarily yeah. just for their needs it was just that you know in the late medieval children women and children were really fucked with a lot because you know, mm. with the privatization of the commons and stuff. So they were the ones who mobilized because the, their lives were being so affected. Yeah. And children weren't treated in the same way that they're treated now. They were like little adults back then. They weren't infantilized. And there was no... Well, the concept of, the chi- of childhood was invented in the Victorian, mm. like our modern conception of it. So they... were in the Innocent. Yeah, yeah. They had jobs, you know. Twelve-year-olds yeah. were very important in the community, so they were pissed. Sometimes at, even uh, six-year-olds had jobs. Yeah. I mean... It's It's not so great, but... They launched the tiniest strikes. Yeah. tiny
0: strikes. Good for them. Yeah, it's good. So um, let's move on to point number three.
2: Oh, the third. I like Um, the numbers. We need to have more lists of things. Yes. This is inspiring me. My
1: third takeaway. Jonathan Franzen is a dick. Okay,
0: but
2: Now... Oh, please expand.
0: Oh, I I
1: will. Uh, (laughs) Do you know he... uh, You know, he writes things for the new yorker every yeah. couple of years or whatever mm-hmm. and he wrote a thing just recently in the last month or two i think about climate change mm. and his take on climate change is well clearly we're gonna do nothing about it clearly There's this is apathy, just beyond sure. us and so we have is that opinion
0: is out there yeah
1: yeah i think it's a. Comment.
0: how old is he Oh, like you know. 50s?
2: Is he the a 50s? Gen Xer? That sounds yeah, like a Gen Yeah, like
1: he's X-y. He's
2: Late 40s, maybe?
1: Yeah, mm. early 50s, okay. something like that. Like,
2: what are you going to do? Like, you yeah. know, I mean. We- like, obviously, yeah. because. I'm tired.
1: Because uh, human nature can't change, and we are not going to be willing to take on the task. And so it says we need to retreat to more local kind of efforts to, like, to save wilderness um, to support some sort of sustainable local economies or something, though it's not clear how that's going to work with climate change, yeah, uh, sort of ruining every economy,
0: basically, and whatnot. Um, and all is just being wiped out by horrible diseases that are thriving in hot weather.
1: Right. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't make it not a global problem. Right. So he does say
0: you can't just isolate, yeah, one one part of the country and be like, okay, here, yeah, it's yeah it right. I mean, all and all the here systems here, will be
2: broken down yeah. entirely. So. I mean yes it'll be local but it won't it will be in no way healthy. It will be so difficult to have a lo- lo- healthy local system if yeah. because else is because of so- all of those systems will be broken. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah and I mean he does argue that we need to engage in some uh, mitigation which means, and he recommends a humanitarian course of action where we accept climate refugees and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the point that was made about this is, you know, it's not human nature that's causing the problem. The problem is some specific people. Yeah. There are there mean, people who are in charge of the fossil fuel companies. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and so that, on. they yeah, invested these, in these production companies. Right. Um, modality yeah.
2: too yeah and and pr to shut down the climate movement that was happening in the 90s with you know there are people that the Koch brothers like engineered mm-hmm. anti-climate uh propaganda basically in the last 15 to 20 years there's a really good uh, bunch of journalism about this recently just like about how um the republicans used to be pro-climate and global warming and that was it was engineered by some of those companies to stop the Republicans from, you know, considering right. climate change. They made that a partisan issue. Right.
0: Anyway. Well for a long time I think we were so attached to the idea of progress and dominating nature, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of overcoming it that it's it's a big cognitive shift I think for people. Yeah. You know, it's a fairly sort of recent understanding that we have dominated to such an extent that like Anthropocene has become the yeah. environment that we live in. You know that it's almost like we have conquered so utterly.
2: There's
0: <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. just nothing else we have to. Yeah. I actually was. You know, I was flying over here, and um, usually I think when I fly to New York, it's a red eye. But I flew in the morning, so you know I got a whole day of daylight, and there was just never a cloud in sight. It was just like a like super clear visibility as I was flying and, and I just kind of spent the whole time, five and a half hours, just staring outside of the window because it's just so interesting, you know. Oh, and, yeah, really, sure. and I just realized that I think there were just so few places where I would look down and see what you would think of kind of topography of of the mm-hmm. natural environment, you know? I don't know the word nature is funny, but you know, everything was so delineated. You could just see the kind of far. It's only I think when the mountain range would present itself that would mm. just sort of be the only like unscathed mm-hmm. area. But everything else was kind of. It was just these circles and squares. Sure. You know, like these crops. Mm. And it was just. It was just completely geometrically defined to such an extent. It, it's like it, it looks so precise. From above, it's just, yeah, it was just so utterly Anthropocene, you know, it was like a giant drawing somehow. Well,
1: a lot of that was laid out in the 19th century, which was Mm -hmm. like the very height of rationalist thinking about space and the layout of space. I mean, that's when we got like the Manhattan Street Grid. Mm. We got, you know, that kind of secret in most like American that, yeah. towns mm-hmm. uh, when you get off of, like, the immediate East Coast because they were settled later when there was this kind of Cartesian idea that we just, we love us some squares. Mm-hmm. What is the Cartesian idea of
0: the squares? Tell us more about that.
1: Uh, well, literally, like, Cartesian space, um, you know, it's like your your graph with your x and your y-axis. It's this idea that you can lay out things systematically and efficiently according to a Mm -hmm. grid pattern. Mm -hmm. And so even when you have to carve up a hillside or something... um,
0: You impose a grid.
1: Yeah, because Mm -hmm. it's rational, even though in that case it's less efficient, but it it comes closer to the abstract ideal. To the
0: straight, yeah, to these kind of straight lines, you know, to this square, like the shape... That particular shape, the evenness, you know, there's just because nothing in nature, in a way, is like that. Okay, no. Yet, and yet we. Descartes crave even it. said that
1: Descartes said there's no such thing as like a true square in nature, mm-hmm. a true circle, or anything like it's,
0: that. It's it's our contribution to <laughs> to the universe. Well, it's the school squ- well, wasn't that square. invented? I
2: mean, that's kind of like the scientific method and and a structure for the way. I don't know. Um, I felt like after Descartes, there was some really important thinkers that had this very linear, rational way that reminds me a lot of medicine, you know, of like this, like, the way they organized medicine was very um, restricted to what's correct and what's not correct. And and it had very strong lines. It was almost like this obsession with the ability to name Uh this and not that, even Mm -hmm. though they were completely wrong and, like... You know, like phrenology and serious eugenics, racism, and, and you know,
0: right? The, horrible. Craving, the craving, for understanding. Yeah,
2: right. Took all kind
0: of forms. Uh, yeah,
2: and it was it was a cultural system that was in place. I think mm-hmm. it was it just like ballooned. Yeah, all of that stuff is it's all bound up
1: together. The scientific method, mm-hmm. uh, the rationalist subjection of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heidegger has a term uh, that he uses gestel uh, mm-hmm. which we translate as like in framing
0: yeah
1: um so in framing
0: gestalt.
1: Gestalt. Yeah. so the idea is the kind of standard of value we apply to the world is one of quantification yeah. optimization mm-hmm. uh, efficiency mm-hmm. instrumentation uh, measurement. Something doesn't have value if you can't measure it. Right. So everything mm. is quantified, everything gets subjective and yeah. flattened, mm-hmm. uh, subjected to this. Kind of flattened Yeah, hy- everything
0: is sort of hyper quantified, right? And we've seen in those terms. I feel sure. like we must sure. really analyze and apply a metric and all right. How effective of this? I
2: mean, this I mean against the like morass of of huge diseases that were like rolling over nations, you know, and and religious ideas that, for these kinds of thinkers, were causing a lot of. Uh, superstitions and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I think it was like chopping back this sense of this like forest of mm. of ignorance and and suffering. And, yeah, progress. Yeah, must,
0: they, must find. They light. thought. Must, yeah, they must thought, organize
2: the forest. Mm-hmm. Chop up right. some windows. I mean, they like, really like, thought it reach. was. Yeah, beautiful. must
0: dry out the bogs. Right, but the bogs
2: are such great ecosystems. I know. Mm-hmm. We must perform lobotomies but on these problematic a brains. Yeah. king. This I mean, bogs. So. Right.
0: Filthy the smells <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm being In, in Rand here. You're, you're, you're In Rand have entered Oh dear You're pro apologize. You're pro-bog I'm not surprised um, Everyone knows I love a bog yes. I
1: have a good bog
0: Yes Nothing like a good bog though.
1: Nothing like it Oh dear
0: Okay so There's still a point four.
1: Oh no, I didn't finish three. Oh, sorry. We're talking about Jonathan Fans I and mean, being a dick. Oh
0: my goodness, um,
1: diverged. So, I apologize. So he is imputing to human nature what is really just a function of the capitalist system. Yes, and, and the managers of capital within uh, that. How convenient. System. Right, and there's... It's just human nature to
0: be capitalist. Also very
2: annoying. Sure,
1: and it is convenient yeah. because not
2: there's, right.
1: there's a kind of security in this kind of apocalypticism. It's uh, like that Frederick Jameson line, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. Mm.
2: Mm. Good
1: God. and that's franzen right that's that mm. mentality that's so yeah. oh, we, we cannot we can do nothing we simply won't change yes. that's all there is to it and there's security in that because this unimaginable thing and this pressure of having to deal with it like yeah. that's an it's agitation literally. that's a tension mm-hmm. that we all have now and we're going to have it for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. the degree to which we're right. dealing with this problem
0: it absolves you kind of having this idea
1: that's right yeah like lots of people criticized him for turning it into a all or nothing outcome whether we will go over two degrees celsius and suffer the onslaught of climate change or whether we'll stay below the threshold and things will be fine Mm -hmm. and as everyone pointed out that's just completely the wrong way to think about it like two degrees is bad Three degrees is worse. Totally. Four is worse than that. It's something that... It's
0: incremental. Absolutely,
1: it's incremental. So he's sort of, this is one mentality that we see in the world, is this retreat yes, to a kind of apocalypticism. Yeah, there's a writer by the name of Jeet here. He writes for The Nation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a good article about this. And another thing he pointed out is, like, Franzen's whole deal is like the bourgeois mimetic novel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's what there's it, really going on under the surface of the hypocritical yes. bourgeoisie and whatever. And I said, I guess he's good at that.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I
1: mean, whatever. I don't, I don't like. Well, if he's a
2: novelist, then if he was so good at that, then he would have a more progressive, you know. No,
1: well, that's the interesting thing. That's what he. There's maybe an interesting tension between that sort of mimetic novel and political vision. Yes. Which requires at least a degree, a modicum of utopian thinking or imagining an alternative agree, future. Yeah. So like something like science fiction or Interpreting, speculative, exactly, rather fiction.
0: than interpreting whatever's happening and kinda of mm. coming up with both ways of, um, which are not non-changing, but rather kind of psychological Mm -hmm. delving into. Right. Mm. Yeah. And and actually, which which makes sense, this kind of retreat into the human nature, because that's what kind of one does in Mm. that sort of novel. Instead, you just get, you
2: you develop the character and Mm -hmm. the flaws
0: in there. Yeah. Rather
2: than... Mm. And accept them versus, versus think about change or, yeah, Yeah. transformation in any way. Yeah,
0: that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, Apocalypse, I've been seeing a lot of art and fashion things mm-hmm. that have to do with apocalypse. Yeah. And uh, they are um, often in figure, people that are painted in like bright colors, often blue, mm-hmm. and are kind of placed in the desert environment so I just want to put it out yes. there so that's how it does going to <laughs> apocalypse is going to be <laughs> you're going to paint yourself yeah, you blue, blue and then, you know it's weird going go to the desert, desert. you're going to have some stuff like sort of yeah. around. whenever I was uh, whenever I
2: would imagine myself as a really old person when I, like 10 years ago I always said I would wear <laughs> you know in my future um, I was, always thought I would wear all blue that was my interesting th- I had a vision did anyone speak about that at the conference well, mm-hmm. the, the color, color of
1: twilight you want to go into your twilight wow. years in the it was like royal blue yeah. it wasn't so much I a think glow.
0: twilight is more orangey or peachy color yeah. I think mm-hmm. I mean you know
1: maybe in Los Angeles yeah your fancy Indeed. twilight's <laughs> on the
0: west coast I saw a beautiful I can produce a photograph I took today when I exited we do have um, beautiful train once once t- I brought the hot weather and with it came the beautiful you sunset did. Yeah. once you 20 know. years
2: ago Brian and I had a fight about whether or not the sunset in New York City was beautiful enough now they suck That lame <laughs> We had a fight About the sunset Being beautiful I was like, this is a beautiful was sunset Underwhelming
0: Was it in the golden hour That you had this
2: argument It was Probably. We were gazing upon a sunset And he was like it sucks And it's your that. skin glowed no, I was not impressed Because well, he's from You're from Where are you from? El Paso, Texas uh-huh. And they have better sunsets That's a desert Oh the, All you gotta do Is just
0: paint yourself blue And go home
1: Yeah well, <laughs> I'll take solace in that
0: Yeah yeah, right yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I should. Um, we'll, we're going to post the link to the article in our episode description. To both of the articles, actually, the Friends and, and the Counterpoint.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what are we supposed to do after you went to this conference? It was very mobilizing, right? So, but for, oh, yeah. but
1: point four though. That's point four.
2: Okay, great. Oh, so okay. very
1: nice segue. Segue. There's a vision Action. on the left. Mm-hmm. This seems new. Yeah. In my life, it's new. Yeah. Like the left has a thing to rally around. Yeah. And this is obviously the thing. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the event. Climate change is the event that is going to require institutional change at the broadest scale. We haven't really had that. I mean, we had this sort of a continuation of an older paradigm for a long time.
0: Yeah, we're trying to recapture these golden years. Yeah, kind of.
1: and now there's something nostalgic, that, right? Yeah, but there we, was something. There were, I mean, there's something a little, a little bit nostalgic time. about the New Deal as well. Well, the Green New Deal, time. right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're recalling right. Yeah. the victories of the exactly. past, but yeah.
2: But also there, I mean, there have been major progressive, sh- you know, shifts and major like conservative shifts. Yeah, I mean, and
0: it like calls that? upon. I mean, it was successful as well. So yeah. I think by invoking that, you um also. Sure. The kind of history that worked here in this particular country and yeah you know in a moment yeah, of right. crisis
1: i think awesome. you want to root it in like in yeah traditions yeah. Exactly. In things that you we're line. familiar with
0: it's true yeah um, yeah. yeah traditions yeah. are very
2: attractive
1: yeah so i think that's really intriguing i think you can almost see how this is gonna go it's going to be a slog and it's going yeah. to take decades a battle.
2: Yeah. But this is
1: so clearly the sort of vision to orient around. And I don't know yeah. if it'll be, you know, it'll have this label Green New Deal in yeah. uh, 2040. Will it be When branded? President Thunberg actually passes the legislation mm-hmm. or whatever. But, God, she would kick ass. You know, it's just, a, I mean, for one thing, we have to make sure uh, democracy doesn't collapse in the next few years. Yeah. So that seems, uh, that seems iffy. Mm-hmm. At the moment, so Do we gotta get so? over that speed bump. Yeah. But if so, then I think this is the sort of line that yeah. politics organizes around.
0: I feel like I'm always um, concerned about the sense of kind of collective rallying in America, I think, because yeah. it's so mm-hmm. difficult to achieve in kind of logistical terms. Sure. Um, I think even just kind of beyond the fact that it's the the urban planning has kind of imposed a very isolated reality on most people's lives and i think i mean new york is like an exception it's like actually where people see each other and bump into each other and they kind of see each other's humanity whereas like in other places in LA, Houston you know people are kind of trapped in the car and like voting doesn't happen in a day where everyone can attend yeah. it you know mm-hmm. they're just all sorts of things like that Like,
1: right. well maybe that's part of why it's a sort of transfiguring transformative movement because it will do things like change that
0: mm-hmm.
1: like change the way we live in space
0: but how and do interact we interact with each other? I feel like that's a, that's a really huge change, though, because how do we live in a place yeah, where we enormous. are with, when the place is designed beyond um, mm-hmm. the human scale? You know, when right. you really in LA, you really it's really difficult to navigate it without a car, for instance. Like, how do you ne- right. renegotiate that relationship? I guess you have to sort of recast maybe the existing spaces. as... Mm-hmm. some other right for other uses yeah, and, yeah. the,
2: and the economic gain f- through you know environmental means so yeah. what like you know solar power the entire economy is now built around solar instead right. of but how
0: does the city function when it's right. like dependent on cars well you right know, I know I just wonder like how is that renegotiation of
2: a huge like new happens. deal program with public transport being built by citizens and those are the jobs i mean right that's the kind of thing that would happen
0: yeah i mean it's hard to imagine I, I mean like
2: it's so in la
0: for instance you know where are just right. sort of like a hodgepodge of these little sure it's the whole per- country yeah, that's it's just, how it's kind of i don't, I just don't understand like it, that's it, long island you don't need to yeah, you know it's, yeah it's
1: the way we've been building this country for right. 70 years it's, it's
0: like a very individualistic like oh i'm just going to find like a little mm-hmm. little island of land and perched there because I have a car. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's that... No one else needs to come. I can just go. Yeah, and and
1: it's that same Mm -hmm. extractive model that defines... But how
0: do you deal with it when you have, like, an entire country that's been Mm -hmm. sort of built in this way and we have these architectural environments?
1: Well... there's a book called The Sprawl Repair Manual. Oh. That is literally what it sounds oh like. Oh, goodness, yes. It's how you, like, take be. a crummy strip mall and turn it into an actually livable space. And yeah. They, you know, there's very sort of piecemeal efforts to do that in places
0: well actually mm-hmm. I read that the, the malls are being rather reused as storage spaces because that's kind mm-hmm. of the next thing that came because of the, the shopping habits becoming kind of more about ordering online mm-hmm. rather than you know brick yeah, and, mortars. The so the brick are and got- mortars are actually that's, becoming storage wow. spaces mm-hmm. oddly so kind of A similar, similar, like they're still holding goods just for. It's kind of a symmetry. But yeah, but I think like making, making a lot of these kind of disused malls into Mm -hmm. like livable plazas.
1: Yeah, though also, honestly, I think, again, it's a question of when it becomes an sort of existential crisis, like when people simply can't live that way anymore. So maybe that's when the oil starts to run out.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Or yeah. people
1: can't afford cars because they, you know, they work in their precarious yes. jobs and whatever. Yeah.
2: Yes. Well, so at this conference, were there people giving really good projections of what they were thinking was going to happen to society under this crisis in the next like twenty years? So. I mean that's people don't believe in the science anymore but if they really said
0: some people do. I
2: mean most yeah. of us do but so what yeah. I'm looking for is some really nice data to say it will not be sustainable for you to be able to fly in planes at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. it will not be sustainable you know what I mean like at this point we need to start designing new ways new fuels or you will not be able to do this so that we can start to really plan just infrastructure you know even conceptually even from a sci-fi place like yeah. What are we gonna well, do? Well, there without? are
0: these facts. I think people yeah. do have them. Right. What do you mean? So it's um, like like, a, like kind of developing a, a cheat sheet for how like to speak to people. I like, think you know, I think a sense stuff, like, like a
2: a consensus around. I mean, who's gonna know what our particular collapse would look like? But a consensus around. What will be going first, what will be, how the economy will really be affected. I want to see projections of of what our challenges will be and in what order they come yeah. once climate change really starts to affect yeah. us. And so you can see, you can see it in the weather. Yeah. You can see it in... You know, like ecological stuff. Yeah, shifts. they have
0: it a lot. I mean, the, yeah. like in terms of like you know climate refugees and sure. wars and stuff. I mean sure. that that exists. And I think people only, but like
2: like connected to the solutions. Like that's kind of what I would want to put side by side. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like this is this is this plan of the Green New Deal, which does seem pretty awesome to me. And then you know the timeline of what is going to happen. And I imagine it just it does seem that they're considering. Uh, you know how to limit carbon emissions you know as number one so that we prevent all the terrible things from happening but we also reorganize society so that it no longer you know is so damaging in all these different ways you know so I don't know so it's 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 ways to reorganize society to prevent climate damage you know or, or environmental damage or is it a plan to help us live once we have damaged things. Do you know what I mean? A lot
1: of the talk was just sort of laying out, here's the scale of the problem. Here's the scale of the technical problem, which is just, you know, taking carbon production out of the economy and Mm -hmm. everything like that. And the scale of the political problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a lot of that. Like the hope, the ideal vision, is that everything is done in a way that makes society... Healthier at every step of the way. Like, for instance, sprawl is alienating and it sucks yeah. to have to drive everywhere. And we're better off, even if climate change weren't a thing, we'd be better off for if sure. we didn't live in these kind of alienating, in isolating lines, yeah. environments, which are also especially alienating and isolating for the poor.
0: Absolutely, yeah, because it's so mm-hmm. easy to. Fall through the cracks. Okay, the car breaks, and all of a sudden you're kind of right. you're in a desert. Yeah, in a way. totally. Yeah. Walking you have between, between strip malls. Ride a yeah.
1: bus for an hour and a half through mm-hmm. West Houston or something. Yeah, some sort of purgatory.
0: A bus that comes once an hour.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And it's ninety degrees. 90 right. Yeah.
1: So that like our society just gets better if we do that sort of thing. Our society uh, gets better if we stop having coal plants because even aside from climate change the pollution from coal plants is really really bad and kills mm-hmm. thousands of people a year yeah. and everything uh, society is better if labor becomes stronger and claims back more power mm-hmm. you know that's the vision that's the ideal that no one thinks would be easy yeah. but in principle it's not a, a zero-sum game mm-hmm. having said that i do have a kind of like overarching Philosophical concern, Mm. and my concern is just like, can we manage ourselves out of this? Mm. Like, if we
0: out of the things we're habituated to, you
1: out of the problem, out of the crisis of climate change and all that. Mm -hmm. Like, can we just great effort? Like the problem with sort of you know promoting all these plans. You know, what we're gonna do with the auto fleet and what we're gonna do with electricity production and all that is it does absolutely nothing to change that in framing that Heidegger talked about. Like mm. insofar as it's we're still a doing progressive
0: that. sort of like you know it's kind of yeah creating more structures creating more grids in a way right. of a different it's, variety.
1: It's um maybe it's a more enlightened conceptualization of yeah. efficiency and optimization and rationality and so forth. But it still is treating the world as resources. Mm. Um, right. And can we actually really solve the problem? Within that framework or do we really need like a new ontological yeah. framework? Like well, a I new relation be, to being.
0: Well, I think you are talking about not being into you know, sort of not being very attracted to object oriented ontology, but it feels like that's almost like you know, they proposed that in theory. yeah
1: yeah, it's not really my jam. I mean, a lot of people say that it might it's be. not.
0: It's not realistic. Sure? I mean, but it is utopian in a way. You know, it's not like it doesn't approximate. So, just to recap, in, in a few terms, to recap, um, mm-hmm. what so um, object-oriented ontology The idea is that we it rejects privileging. Human superiority in the world and it, agency is assumed for all living and non living creatures. You know that's kind of an idea of equal. It decenters importance. the human. It's De- kind of decentering
2: the human and as the decider of what is yeah. and isn't valuable.
0: But I don't know. I think it's sort of a more conceptual framework rather than action based. You know, so it promotes a kind of maybe thinking about things, but not really. Mm. What? Well, how did it translate into an action? You know? Mm. Do I like? When, when you're, not
2: lean on my table, you know, and just what Well also how do you eat and how do you, you know, use resor- like you need to use resources yeah. to some extent. So what is your idea what is your new ontology if it's not this object oh, centered? Yeah, well I mean I mean just you know, improv. I'm not so. I'm not
1: here to present ontologies. Oh, uh, so I'm not here like to come up off. with a new theory. Yeah.
2: I mean I I yeah. think the just
1: I think the impulse behind something like object-oriented ontology uh, comes from exactly that recognition. Yes. I think a lot of people recognize we are in this problem where our basic relation to the world is the problem. Mm -hmm. And so the question whether we can sort of, you know, technically manage our way out of the crisis without addressing this fundamental relation Mm -hmm. of things is is the real difficult thing. It's like when you hear arguments about why we shouldn't uh, cut down the rainforest, the Amazon, and they say, well, you know, Look at all these pharmaceuticals we've developed out of plants Mm. that grew in the Amazon. What if we missed out on all the Mm. intellectual property we could develop out of these plants that go go there? You know, that's not altering the paradigm. No. Because then it can just turn out, well, maybe the Amazon is worth more money if we cut down the trees, you know? Yeah. And then you lose that argument.
0: Ideological, I Mm. think. Yeah, you have to sort of create a new... Mm-hmm. I think promote just a new idea that's attractive. I always really I like I've talked about this before, but I like the idea of enough. I think mm-hmm. we just always come from this the way that society is kind of organized and success is, mm-hmm. um, is cast in terms of more. You know, you make more, you achieve more, you produce more, mm-hmm. yeah. consume more. But I think if we placed more emphasis on the idea of enough, you know, and like yeah. we just had mm-hmm.
1: less of. Um, Sure, yeah. we make a value of some kind of minimalism yeah. and consumption mm-hmm. right. rather and I think, than maximally. And
0: it would have to be on, like, government level. I'm sorry, I think it's just, like, my Soviet, my Soviet beginnings always, like, rear mm-hmm. their heads. But mm-hmm. I think that—but mm-hmm. there's just something really, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the only way that you can— achieve right. that kind of change is by you know by making it a law in a way so it, it comes right. back to this idea of political power but then right. but then there's a you know the kind of dictatorial moment that can happen you know well you I mean it's like always creative. and again it's again a framework it's a kind of grid that you impose. it's always been that way I mean it was in the you know the, if you're like everyone gets 20 meters of right, space right we divide all the apartment which is kind of what they did you know like when yeah. the revolution happened they were like okay we have right. all this space we're gonna just count the people right. count the meters we're gonna just yeah allot the meters for the people
2: there was a a papal decree that mankind they were like the earth is here for mankind to own and to colonize and I am the pope it was I forget when it was was like 16 something Mm. like I decree that that your job is to go out and to find and conquer mm-hmm. new countries and new people mm. and that's going to be your christian identity that's going to be your christian responsibility so it was yeah. like that was sort of a, that was one of the opposite ones you know it was like one of the origins of this like Dominion, this yeah. like man as conqueror, and so yeah, really? why not? So I mean, I know it's yeah. draconian, but and to just is, be like, you will stop who conquering. Who authority? You know, yeah. just, that's what I wonder as well. What, that's what a great happen? question. The thing is, if that it's a collective inspire that, it has to be a collective, collective belief that that's our only way of surviving is by agreeing upon some rules. I don't know. Sounds, yeah,
1: well, you know, there's a way to feel frustrated. And descend into Franzenian despair, yes. which is to say, yeah. like you know, we can kind of we there's no way we'll manage ourselves out of this. We just need a revolution in consciousness or something, which is yeah. kind of yeah. what we're talking at
2: about at my local coffee shop. Um, yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, yes.
2: and it's and
1: then that's you at know our now kitchen
0: table right now, mm-hmm. and
1: now it's presented as something abstract and massive and beyond us. And how do we ever do that? But I think. Maybe a way to think about it is that something like the Green New Deal is our best shot at moving in that direction yeah. it starts with the political action mm-hmm. and then we see what happens
0: and it's recognizable at this point as well it's really I mean it really has a lot of resonance I think even in the circles where people are skeptical about it nonetheless they know about it yeah. that's already something just having yeah. you know all it you know all gossip is good gossip Oh yeah. one well, one of the
1: speakers at the conference said that uh you know fox news and the whole conservative media yeah. went right at it right at the green deal right away okay. green new deal right away because they knew it was a threat yeah um, just like they, they went at we aoc it. right yeah. away because they know she's a threat yeah these are things people could be mobilized oh, around Oh,
0: i, I meant mm. to say publicity not gossip but the word eluded oh there.
1: no all yeah. gossip is good gossip that's also true
0: <laughs> we can all agree to it's that. It's kind you know? of publicity gossip, you know. Sure. Would you rather have people with talking about you and not talking about you? Whether it's good or bad. Uh, I don't
2: I don't like it. <laughs> I don't I don't like people talking don't talk about them. Okay, Ever. Ever. Not one word. Um, okay. Well that's very really, I feel motivated. I, I really like the idea and I do kind of wonder if I've been friend Franzonian in my Passivity and like overwhelm towards this situation, and I think it's a, a really important point to make that like all political action was first conceptualized and then talked yeah. about by groups of people and then pushed and and collective for, actions
0: were happening, yeah, like the climate
2: strike, or you know, before it, it was, takes a lot of work, you know, yeah, and effort, and leaflets were happening, <laughs> yes, <laughs> if we can make right mean, Instagram ads. yeah. I mean, gosh, like I just learned about the early suffragettes and the amount of violence violence they oh, affected yeah. on the system and the amount of violence bombs. Were they bombed yeah. they did hu- they invented hunger strikes like yeah, they self-harmed the other yeah. harmed there so much going yeah.
1: on we I, always domesticate these things retro retroactively yes. like the labor movement Absolutely. was violent as hell right so
0: violent yeah. the
1: civil rights movement you know right. martin, the uh, martin Luther was king was jr violent. was a was a far left radical that the nation hated Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until we named it a holiday after.
2: Why do we do that? Why do we think so? They gained yeah, the but, power,
1: the concrete. But power. Why?
0: history is always a fiction, and you only people always paint it in like nice. Blue why light.
2: is it? De- why can't we live with the the violence? Why not even violent? But why can't we live with us with the real struggle of what happened? You know, to make the change that happened because we can see, you know, the civil rights situation before. Martin Luther King and and Malcolm X's struggle and all of those folks that struggle. You yeah. can see the world before and after. You can tell a dramatic shift happening. Yet and
0: yet people like to tell a palatable tale because yeah. they think once it goes into like a history book, you know, they don't want to hurt the children's imagination or give them the wrong ideas. They don't it's want it's they to follow them.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. and they don't want them to freak out at school, and they don't want to child exactly. No child rebellion. Yeah,
0: No Child Rebellion Violence. No, Interesting. And they don't want to give them, like, it would
2: be, like, tips for organizing in a way, you know? I would love that. I am a teacher, and when my kids start doing that sort of stuff, I think it's awesome. Right. I try to be, like, a very collectivist, hippie teacher, and Mm -hmm. try to, yeah, encourage Mm -hmm. them to do that. This is making me, I have to write plays for my work sometimes for kids. This is making me want to write a, like, super activist play. Like, Mm -hmm. about history. I might do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the New, new Deal, deal well,
0: The New Deal play. We're yeah. <laughs> gonna do
2: a play about the New Deal, kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> they love it.
0: Yeah, sounds interesting.
2: Little well,
1: picketers.
0: Well, I wonder what the UN climate summit will will reveal. Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll find out next week. Yes, we will. Tune in next Tune week in next week for yeah. our assessment
2: right thanks for being awesome Brian yeah
1: mm. yep
2: you pundit like a champ
1: mm. yeah. I bloviated
2: mm. I'm
1: fully I
0: motivated me too yeah. hopefully so are our dear listeners I said it and I stared at the microphone because <laughs> that's where they all are yeah, inside the tiny microphone little people inside tiny people of me. that are hi
2: everybody hi yeah thank
0: you for um tuning in <laughs> tiny people <laughs> it's a bit late in new york and i only i personally only had five hours of sleep in the last 48 hours which i'm greatly enjoyed yes but yeah we'll um we'll be returning next week we are just going to blow away like the wind now so that's right see you later see you later <sighs> bye-bye